Amen. You know, growing up, I know kids have a lot of ambitions and things, and of course, I would tell everybody my, my daddy was Evil Knievel. I remember those days? Anybody know who Evil Knievel is? But you know, you have, you have dreams and things as a, as a child, and sometimes it includes professional sports and be an astronaut or a doctor or whatever. But I always had a dream of just being a, having a loving, happy home and being a father and one day be a grandfather. And I just, I can't tell you how, how wonderful the Lord has been. And I just thank him for his grace and his mercy. Amen. So today I want you to take your Bibles with me. And I, I got full permission on Wednesday to do this. So uh, I found out it's okay to go back to, to different texts and even repeat a thing. Okay. And so some of you haven't been here on Wednesday nights. I would encourage you, not because, not because I preached it, I just believe it is that important. Go back and listen to Wednesday night service. You can find that online at our website or on the, on the app, or you can scroll down on Facebook. Because I believe it is important to you. I believe it's important for you. But I want to, I want to carry some of those thoughts forward today. Some of it's going to be a recap from Wednesday. Um, the title of this morning's message is just simply in the bag in the bag and it'll make sense in just a few moments but I want us to look here in first Samuel and this passage of scripture is one of my foundational scriptures uh, any minister of the Word of God any child of God that studies the Word and God speaks to you there are, there are foundational scriptures and there's so often you draw from those even on your daily walk and you just pull and, and you can pull all truth out of that it just keeps feeding your soul you might know what I'm talking about well today I want to go and I want to look once again here at David as the, in the valley with Goliath and as you turn there I just want to pray that the Lord would capture your thoughts today and that the Lord would would enable you and strengthen you in whatever it is you're going through love Andrea she gave the she gave the introduction to the message today because he has won every battle, and that's what we got to keep focused. He has won every battle. Now, our confidence is walking into that valley, facing that giant, knowing that he has already defeated the giant. Amen? Father, we come before you today, and Lord, we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the name which is above every name, Lord God. Lord, we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the anointing of your spirit, we pray for the power, Lord God, that comes only from you. Lord, we render every thought, Lord God, captive to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray, Father, that we, Lord God, will drive out, Lord God, the alienated mind and, Lord, walk in an aligned mind with you. And, Father, we love you and we need you today in Jesus' name. I want you to look here as we see the... We see the backdrop of this story. You got to back up another chapter to get the full view of that. But what we see here is that Saul had failed and refused to follow the instructions of the Lord. And so the Lord sent the prophet Samuel out to seek for another king, one after his own heart, sent him to Jesse's house. And Jesse had seven of his sons at the house, each of which 
were not the ones called to be the king after the Lord's own heart, but there was yet another son. He was out in the field. Some speculations as to why he wasn't called in. Some theologians believe he was the illegitimate son of Jesse. That's just a theory and a thought. Could be. Could be because he was the youngest. Could be because he was busy about something about his father's business. But nonetheless, uh, he was not called in. But now we see that the Lord reaches down and, and says, tells uh, Samuel, said, or Samuel asked Jesse, do you have another son? Yes, we've got David. Call David in from the field. He, was, he is anointed king, and shortly thereafter, he is now in relationship with King Saul because there is convicting, overwhelming spirit that comes upon Saul, and nothing will soothe his spirit like the anointed worship that comes forth from David. And so they call him in, and he becomes the armor-bearer of Saul. Now, David goes back, continuing to take care of his father's business, goes back and tends the flocks as accord, according to the word of the Lord. And then his father, Jesse, sends him on an errand, go see how your brothers are doing, see how they are making it uh, on that battlefield. And so, because they're camped against the Philistines, so David shows up and he's bringing provisions from Jesse, giving that to his brothers, giving it to the commanders of the thousands. And now we see the story we pick up here that it is word gets back to Saul, and Saul knows David, and he knows the anointing rests upon Saul, on David. And David is asking, why hasn't anyone go out into the valley and challenged this Philistine that shows up in this valley? He's been there for 40 days and 40 nights. He goes out in the morning and in the afternoon. He does this twice a day, and he stands in the midst of this valley, and he defies the armies of Israel thus defying the, the, the covenant people against their covenant God. And he's saying to them, if you will give me a champion, and if he defeats me, we'll become your servants. But if I defeat him, then you will be our servants. And so this goes on, and fear has gripped the entire camp. No one's going out. And then David shows up, and he hears that, hey, I have to I will not have to write one more IRS tax return for the rest of my life if I go out and defeat this giant could you imagine what how you could live if you didn't have to pay taxes it's in the story it's in the story he's a single young man who doesn't have a, a, anything to offer but if he defeats the giant he's tax-free Free, 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 free. He is tax-free. It's what the Word says. Because this is what was told to him. And then he gets a bride on top of that. Have you seen Saul's daughters? Come on now. I'm going to battle. If you boys want, I am stepping out in the valley. So this is what the Word gets back to Saul. And Saul brings David in. And he says to David, what... What are you talking about over here? What's going on? He said, well, don't worry about this giant. I'll go out there and take care of him for you. And Saul, this is for me, and I've preached this. You've heard me say this. For me, that is a miracle right there. That he's just looking for a volunteer to go out there and face the, the giant, and he's willing to send David out there. Put all of the future hope upon David so what we see is that 
Now, in verse 38, we got to get David ready for the battle. So in verse 38 of 1 Samuel 17, it says, So, so Saul clothed David with his armor and put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Verse 40. Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook. And he put them in a shepherd's bag in a pouch, which he had, and his sling in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. So the Philistine came and began to draw near to David. The man who bore the shield went before him, and when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his God. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Verse 45. Then David said to the Philistine, Come to me with a sword. You come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. The, ar the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you, and I will take your head from you. And this day I will give the, the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air, the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that, the, that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword or spear. The battle, hear me, hear the Lord. The battle is the Lord's. He will give you into our hands. So it was when the Philistine arose and came, drew near to meet David. David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag he took out a stone and he slung it, struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell to the face of the ground. Wow. David didn't have a sword in his hand, so he ran and he jumped on top of that mountain of a person, that nine-foot-six giant wearing a 200-pound coat, 50-pound spearhead, jumps on top of him, draws his sword out of his sheath. Because Goliath, I don't know, in his arrogance, he didn't think David could do much with him. But what we see is that he, he didn't even draw his sword to go against David. Maybe he was going to just reach out and just crush his head with his hand. I don't know. It's kind of like Jacob whenever he was uh, playing peewee football. It was so funny. I was watching him as we were sitting in the stand, this gentle giant of ours. Uh, he grew tall, taller than a lot of the kids of his age. I remember one football game, he was called to balk another kid his age. Jacob is here, this boy is here. Jacob's standing there with one hand holding him back. Here's Jacob just holding him. I don't know if Goliath maybe had that thought in his mind. You're going to bring me this, this little guy and he's going to come against me. I'm not even going to draw my sword. I'm just going to swat him like a fly. He didn't draw his sword, but... I don't know if anybody was as surprised as he was when that stone lodged, lodged in his head and he fell dead. David walked over and pulled that sword out and he cut his head off. Sliced his head off. 
Now, as we look here, what I want us to see is that we have been talking about self-talk. Self-talk. And I'm going I'm to liken this, this message here. It's just a, another step toward this healthy meditation and this healthy dialogue within your own heart. How many know that each one of us have self-talk? It's that, it's that ongoing uh, voice in our head. It's, it's when we're speaking to ourselves, when we're, when we're listening to ourselves. And Wednesday night, we've been talking about how to conquer that by bringing every thought into captivity of the Lord Jesus Christ and, and making it, subjugating those thoughts to be subservient to the Lord. In other words, bringing those, those vile thoughts into captivity and bringing them to the place where they, our thoughts in our own minds obey the will of God. Amen? See, because our self-talk is our experiences, our understanding, and ultimately our belief system in operation inside of our minds. The Word of the Lord, can, we, we refer to that many times as meditation. You know, we forfeited, uh, for years, forfeited meditation to Eastern mysticism where we find out in the Word of God that we need to meditate upon the Word of God. We need to take the Word of God and we need to look at it. And, and as a cow, we need to cut and begin to chew on the, on the Word. We, we meditate upon the Word of God. We, we, we look at that Scripture on the one side and the other and we let it, we let it germinate in our spirit, begin to rise up. At, and what we have discovered on Wednesday night is that negative self-talk can be provoked during when we find ourselves in a furnace, we find ourselves in a flood, or we find ourselves in a storm. What do all those three things refer to? It refers to those stressful situations we find ourselves in. So if you want to call it a furnace where you feel like the heat is more than you can handle and you're just about to, you're about to burn up or melt in the midst of that, understand Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego found that when you're in the midst of that furnace, even though it's seven times hotter than what you've ever been in, Jesus will be there with you. Amen? But we also see that this negative self-talk can, can overwhelm us we got to cast down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity of the obedience of God. Now, there's, there's one thing that I said Wednesday night, just a quote that I found. I, I think that you need to hear it once again, and that is this. We need to talk to ourselves. We need to talk to ourselves as if we were talking to someone we love. If your self-talk is centered around self-abuse, whipping yourself for every shortcoming you've ever had, or the circumstance surrounding your life right now, 
is such that you feel entirely to blame for everything that is taking place and you're you tell yourself I am sorry I am no good I will never amount to anything and you are sitting there and it's this is the rehearsal in your mind whereas the same person in the same situation you would come up and say oh let me just share with you the goodness of God God is a gracious God. He's not only a God of second chances, but third chances and fourth chances. Don't give up on the Lord. The Lord loves you. And then we turn back to self and we say, you sorry, no good. Worm. You degenerate slug. You worthless thing. Now you've never done that. But you've watched movies with characters and you've seen them in there. You need to talk to yourself like you're talking to somebody you love. Well, I'm unlovable. Well, I've got good news for you. He makes us lovable. And he loved us enough to come to the earth uh, to live and to die and rise again because he refused to live without us. Amen? This negative self-talk. But let me say to you, and this is why this message is so extremely important to you and I. This is the reason it's so extremely important. Whenever Christ gave himself as a sacrifice for you and I, he paid for our sin debt. You agree? He paid for it. Lock, stock, and barrel. He just, there was, a, there was a debt we could never pay, and there was a debt he would never owe. There was a debt against us. It was beyond any lifetime of earnings we could ever have. No matter if you're the richest person in the entirety of the world, there is nothing on earth's side that would be able to take care of this sin debt. Only the blood of Christ was able to write off that indebtedness to set us free from that debt. Amen? But he didn't stop there. Oh, no. Because the Holy Spirit says that the, the prince of this world, Satan, has been judged. In other words, we have now authority over the enemy. Wow, imagine. See, in heaven, there's no question of the authority of God. The imagers there obey God. And if they don't, then swiftly they are removed. But here on earth, we are called to be as imagers. And as we walk upon the face of the earth, we now have authority through Jesus Christ to walk and to live and to move over the enemy, over oppression, over depression over the afflictions of our body. We have that authority. But see, you can have the sin debt paid for, and you can have Satan defeated, but if you leave self to self, if you don't conquer this mind, you're always walking with this idea that I am alienated from God. I am separated from the Lord. I have not conquered or self has not been conquered. The kingdom of God is going to be limited in our life. So what I'm saying to you is that God has given us victory over sin. He's given us victory over Satan. And the most important factor, he has given us victory over self over self 
Let me say to you, if you live with the mindset the devil made me do it, then you're not living in victory. Amen? You have been given authority over your own thoughts. Those sin, the sin that the Lord set you free from is not holding on to you. You're holding on to it. If you will allow the Holy Spirit the opportunity, he will strengthen you to know that you can let go with those things. That that failure of your past is not going to dictate or continue to dictate your future. Now, when Jesus told them to pray, he said, I want my disciples, as they listen to the Lord pray, and this is carrying forward from Wednesday night. It was my last point coming about my middle point here. Would you pray? I want you to pray this way. This is how you pray. Our Father. Our. Our Father. Jesus was saying to his disciples, my father is your father. My father is your, our father, who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So prayer begins with relationship. Prayer begins with relationship. So my thoughts and my victory starts with the understanding of my relationship with the living God. That is a relationship of faith. Now, let's get back to David as we look here. Because once we start with relationship, now we, 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 we move forward with the kingdom of God. Our Father, I'm in relationship with Him. Your kingdom come. What are we asking for? We're asking for the kingdom of God to come not only to us, but through us. We're asking for the kingdom of God, God's rule and reign, to come not only to us, but through us. So we're walking in relationship with the Lord, and we're furthering our Father's business here on earth. We're taking care of His business on earth. He is still the, the president, the CEO, the owner. He knows it all. He is the one in charge. We're just following his instructions, amen, to live the abundant life in which he has in store for us. But what we see here, folks, is that we've got to get to the point in the place where when there are giants there in the valleys, and I love how Andrea expresses that when the prophets look, they look from mountaintop to mountaintop. They stand on one mountain, and they're looking, and they're prophesying. They're calling those, those things forth. Uh, they're foretelling those things at that other mountaintop. But what's between that mountaintop? How do you get from one mountaintop to that other mountaintop? No, we transport. Scotty, beam me over. Now, that, that happens, you know. Philip, he was teleported. You know what I'm saying? He was out there in the, the middle, but you notice that he took the long journey to get to that wilderness place. And then he was trans. But for you and I, we, we got those valleys we got to go through. And where does the enemy like to occupy? He wants to get you where? In that low place. He, he wants to get you in the midst of that flood and start telling you how much God hates you. 
He wants to get you in the middle of that storm and start telling you how much God does not care about you. He wants to get you in that place where you're in that furnace and you're like, man, I'm, I'm about, this is about to burn me up. I can't take any more of this. This pressure is just too much. That's where we find the enemy in his voice. It's not on those mountaintops because he knows. When you come out of a church and the Spirit of the Lord has moved upon you, you're ready to leap through, a, uh, go, run through a troop and leap over a wall. He wouldn't dare mess with you when you're when you come out of the prayer closet and you're like, man, I feel a confident in the Lord. My mind has been renewed in the Spirit of the Lord. I'm walking in victory. No, he wants to bombard you in every direction and find yourself in that low place in that valley. And then that pressure begins that self-talk. And it's happened to all of us, myself included. It's happened to all of us because I, I believe the Lord proves himself in the midst of that valley. He proves himself. And he starts reminding us, Mike, do you remember when I brought you out of that valley? You remember that furnace? You remember that furnace you were in those many years ago? Do you remember the day where you were in there? Son, where are the ropes that bound you? Oh, they're gone. Well, how did those things disappear? I was there with you, and I freed you in the midst of that through the knowledge of the, of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ getting back to this self-talk this narration that is rehearsed in our mind it's good that you come to the house of the Lord and just get a don't you love it when you wake up with a song on your on your lips then your spirit I am who he says I am oh, I don't sing it unless I'm in the car by myself because I, I don't mind make a joyful noise and some people may not conclude that my singing is joyful so I, I get alone and sing to, sing to the Lord but how many times have you gone to you be awakened and it's like the worship is on my lips the worship is in my heart my prayer is that God when I find myself in the midst of that valley Lord God let there be worship upon my lips let there be a song in my heart that I can offer praises up to you but let me encourage you today because unless you've got something in your bag, unless you've got something in your bag, you're not going to defeat the enemy. So David went and see the first thing, the, 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 the would-be's, the would-be giant killers, the, Saul would be a giant killer. I believe it was the king's responsibility to protect and shepherd the flock but here is here is Saul and here is his giant in the valley and he is unwilling to go face that giant I'll tell you what I'll do I'll give you my daughter and I'll make it tax exempt that surely ought to tempt somebody that ought to be that ought to, that ought to get somebody somebody will be dumb enough to go out there and do this for us Because he's going to have to be a little bit off to face that giant. Have you seen him? He's nine foot six inches tall. He's a beast. Who can we get to go do this? David steps up. Oh, yeah, he's sure. He's, he's, yes, I believe you. 
I believe you because I have felt the anointing on your life. I have experienced your presence. I know God is with you. And yes, if you said that you defeated a bear and a lion, I believe you. I'm going to trust you. Yes, we're going to go. But before you get out there, I need to help you. I need you to put my helmet on. I need you to put my armor on. And I need you to carry my sword. Now, I don't know how tall David was, but we do understand that Saul was head and shoulders above the rest. And let me tell you what self-talk will always bring you back to, and that is this. You've got to measure up and be somebody else. Come on. Because how many times have you rehearsed that self-talk conversation in your own mind? If I was, if I, I was someone else, I could do so much better. If I was six inches taller, think about how successful I would be. Come on now, folks. How many times have we been trapped by our own sabotaging mind of alienation and we have lived in a place and said, well, if I was more, I could be more. If I was better, I could do better. I know what I'll do. I'll work harder. I will work harder and harder and harder and try to become something maybe I never will be, but certainly something that I am not. But I want you to, I want you to take this note. Those persons... They give you the input telling you you've got to be more than what you are. Make sure that you're in relationship with them. Make sure that you can look at their life and see the giants that they had defeated. Is this good stuff? Are you taking it in? Because you don't want to take input from somebody who's never faced the giant who are living in their own self-afflicted self-talk, sabotaging themselves, and they have never faced down their fear. They've never accomplished it. So beware of the ones, and let me tell you, don't go rebuking somebody unless you're in relationship with them, and you know that you know that you know it's the Lord speaking and not you. Amen? I had a gentleman come to this church not too long back, and he said, I don't know why people won't receive me. I said, well... Tell me a little bit about yourself. He said, well, I generally go into churches and I tell pastors what they need to hear and I rebuke them. I said, well, ding dang, just tell me what I need to hear. I'm going to take it all in. I said, are you currently a pastor? No. Have you ever pastored? No. Interesting. And you're called of God to do this? Yes, I am. I said, well, if you're going to continue in this pathetic ministry, I mean this, this prophetic ministry, you better get in and sit under and build a relationship, and if God shows you, maybe you can share. Just a thought, man. Just a thought. Or you can keep going the way you're going and wonder why they show you to the door after each service. <laughs> Where was I going? I don't know. I got a bag in my hand. This is my shepherd's bag. Now, I venture to guess the shepherd's bag were a little bit bigger than this, but this is the one I had, and it, it looks the most authentic. And so I, I picked it up. 
But we see here that David said, look, I, I can't be anybody else. Stop trying. Let me tell you, you want victory with your self-talk right now? Stop trying to be somebody else and just be yourself. Amen? Let me tell you, the, the thing about it is when you try to be somebody else, everybody knows you're hiding. You're hiding, from, you're hiding from yourself. You're hiding from your past. If anybody comes up and they start reading me their resume, I think, what are you hiding from? I know some of you said, I wasn't talking to you before. I'm certainly not talking to you now. <laughs> I have found out many occasion with many a conversation that there's two of us in a room one of us is weird, and it's not me. <laughs> I used to always think it was me. I think, I am just weird, because this is weird. But I have discovered, it's not me. It's not me. Because disingenuousness is easily read by any person. They don't even have to have the gift of discernment to know and discern that, but this is weird. You're hiding something. Stop it. Stop being what you're not and just be who you are, loved and accepted by the living God. And you start being you, and you'll stop sabotaging what God's trying to do in you and through you. That was my intro, and I've got eight minutes. But David in his hand he said I, I'm, not, I'm just not going to be I'm just not going to be I'm sure it's shepherd <laughs> so I, I, David was there and he said look I, I can't be what I'm not I, I, can't, I can't just pretend that I'm something I'm not and so he said just wait right here I got to take all this stuff off I've got to take your mindset off. I've got to take your look off. I've got to take your styling off. I've got to take all of this. And I'm, I'm going to go, I, I'm going to go down to, just hold just a minute. So i got to run down to the brook. I'll show you what I got when I get there. But I, I just don't need this armor right now because I've never won a battle by trying to be somebody else. But let me tell you what I'll do. I'll run down. To, and he gathered five smooth stones from the brook. I've got five, four smooth and one kind of rough with all the stones I had. But I've got five stones here in this pouch, in this bag. I've got it in the bag. Now, if you're going to defeat the enemy, you've got to have something in the bag. Those stones that are going to defeat the enemy, what did Jesus do to defeat Satan when he came out in the wilderness after fasting 40 days? It is written, it is written, it is written. Our stones are the word of God. We go gather. Why did he gather five? I don't know. Maybe he couldn't carry six. Why did he care, grab five? Well, I'm a little bit out of practice. I'm not sure if I could hit him on the first four. I don't know. Could it be that there are four other descendants of the giants that live in the camp of the Philistines and some said and called them the brothers of Goliath? I don't know. I don't know why he chose five and not four, not three, not seven, not, not ten. I don't know. 
But what we do know is he went over and he grabbed those stones. As I was looking at this and I was thinking about it and about self-sabotaging, I thought, you know, I need to go find me five stones. Five stones of the Word of God so that when the giant comes out there, what did David do? He had the sling in his hand. He was ready to launch all of this. Uh, I got this sling from, I believe it was Lee. I got the stones from Lee, too. He's a giant killer. I got a stone in here right now. I'm surprised y'all are not flinching. <laughs> not really, not really. Y'all have more faith in me than I have myself. <laughs> but see, David ran not from the enemy. He, he had a sling in his hand, and he had, a, he, had a, he had something in the bag. He had something in the bag. You've got to have something in the bag. That, that something in the bag is the word of the Lord. Could you imagine if when those thoughts enter your mind, you stop running from them and hiding from them? How do you hide from them? You're trying to be something you're not. You're trying to measure up and be what God has not called you to be. You're trying to, you're, you're, you're trying to mold and make and make yourself into something that God has never intended for you to be. But what if, when that giant stood out there, you stop running from those thoughts and say, oh no, you're coming down, boy. I got stuff in my bag. Let me reach for it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh, if that won't work, I can reach for any one of them. Uh, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. If that don't get you, let me tell you what will get you, and that'll be this. Because I am an heir and joint heir with Jesus Christ. I'm a child of the King. I am accepted of the Lord, and he will take you down because there is not an enemy that he hasn't already defeated. I remember when I first started pastoring, I had to get some rocks in my bag because I would stand up there. And first off, my congregation didn't believe I was called. But you know what? I knew I was called. I just didn't know I was equipped. <laughs> so they weren't telling me anything that I wasn't thinking myself. It was bad and sad. Those poor, poor people. So, I'm there before every service. I would say these two things over and over. I'd say, Lord, without you, I can do nothing. So I was trying to convince God he's got to get here today, right now. We're going to read this text, and we're going to go for it. Without you, I can do nothing, John 15. Now, but then I would say also, Lord, with that said, I turned the other side of the rock over. And it says, I can do all things through you who strengthens me. And so every service, uh, it was the same thing. And amazingly enough, uh, God would show up. And when I did try, just thought I would get far enough out there to trust in myself, uh, whoo, I found out real quick I couldn't do it. But then I would come back to, Lord, I can do all things through you who strengthens me. What was I doing? I was bringing those self-sabotaging thoughts that reared them heads as giants in my valley and I was clobbering them with the word of God and then we run out we take the very thing that the enemy 
meant to destroy us with. I got so many more notes, but we're going to stop right there. See, those self-sabotaging thoughts are the ones that the enemy thought he was going to destroy you with. Those self-sabotaging thoughts were the ones I told you, Daddy, he was worthless and no good, and look where I brought him. He killed himself. Look what I've done to your mother. Look what I've done to your brother. Look at these thoughts. This is your heritage. This is your history. You've formed these habits. This fear is going to overtake you. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. You see these weapons I have formed? See the failures in your life? You're not going to make it. You're not going to make any difference. I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to destroy your children. Oh, no, no. Let me take you down with the word of God. Let me draw that weapon that you had formed against me. It's not going to not only not prosper against me, it's going to be your worst nightmare. See, what the weapon formed against you is an indication of God's call on your life. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not telling you that those areas of your life of destruction were designed by God. Child abuse is not the will of God. Amen? But when we take those things, as all things work together for good, to they that love God and called according to his purpose, and we put that in his hands, now he takes that and he works it against the enemy and prospers the kingdom of God. Andrew said it this morning. He will repay those who hate them to their face. But see, we bring those self-sabotaging thoughts, the alienated mind, we bring it under subjection to God. We say, we got to have something in our bag. And it does, I wish I was, I was even better than what presenting, preaching is the easiest part of it. But when you take the word of God and you do that, I'll just call it replacement. You're replacing that negative thought, that fearful thought, God has not given us a spirit of fear. So if the voice comes in the form of fear, you can know right off, this is not God. 
If that thought comes to your mind and it brings such overwhelming anxiety to your heart, child of God, understand? If it brings such overwhelming anxiety in your heart, that is not the voice of God. He's not given you a voice of a spirit of fear, but of love. That's relational talk. Of love, finish it for me. Power. Power over what? Power over who? Self, sin, and Satan. He has given you that power in a sound mind. You're as crazy as you choose to be. <laughs> Come on now. If your elevator don't go all the way to the top, you got your own repair kit. Fix it. Your bubble's out of plumb, then get balanced with God. Amen? Do we have more? I don't think so. <laughs> it's in the back. David stood out there in that battlefield. He knew. It's in the back. Goliath, you're in the bag. I'm about to bag you up right here. I'm about to bag up these thoughts right now. I'm about to get out of this negative self-talk and start getting into spirit talk. I'm taking authority over my thoughts and bringing them into subjection of the will of the living God. Do you know, and I am closing, do you know that you're, be careful the way I say this, And I'm going to refer to that this way. Instead of self-image, your internal God image. The way that you view yourself in the Lord and your relationship with Him will determine the quality of life that you will live. So if I am on a constant beratement of myself, kicking myself, if you're at fault for your situation, repent, ask for God's help, and move on. That sounds simple, but that's where you've got to bring yourself to. If it's your fault, accept the blame. Ask God's help and move forward with his strength. Don't wait on your emotions because they're going to keep you there trapped. Just trust in the word and keep moving forward. Now, child of God, hear me. If you're in that situation right now and there's just this constant rehearsal in your mind of what you lack, where you're lacking the fear, the anxiety the stress that's not God God has given you the authority over your own mind stand with me if you will worship team make your way up
Merciful God. Merciful God. We ask in your holy name. We ask in your holy name, Lord, that you would move in us and through us. I pray, Father God, for those that are in this house today to be set free by the power of your Spirit, O oh Lord. With heads bowed today. If you're in this house, it doesn't matter where you're sitting, if you're in the balcony, if you're listening in, if you're on the stage, it doesn't matter. But if you're in this house today, you've been a victim of your own self-sabotage. And you say, Lord, I don't want to live there anymore. I'm not going to credit the person who hurt me. I'm not going to credit the enemy. I'm not going to continue to blame you for the circumstance that I'm in. I'm just going to accept the responsibility and thus accept the power to overcome it. And Lord, I just, I'm just going to believe that Lord, this is not the life you meant for me to live. And my future is in my own hands. And I am free. I have the authority through Jesus Christ and I am free from this continual negative self-talk. With heads bowed right now, if that's you, just lift your hand. Say, I want to be free. I want to be free. I want to be free today. I want to be free. Lord, I'm going to put some rocks in my bag, and Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to know that when the enemy comes, that I'm going to draw that, that word out. And I'm going to say, no, this is not of the Lord. If you're here today and you would like prayer, I believe in the power of prayer. And I believe when you walk to this altar to say, Lord, I want to be liberated. I believe God is going to set your mind free. There's an exchange that will take place. Would you surrender this to the Lord and say, God, I'm just going to give it to you. And I'm just going to be brave enough to believe what you say is true. And I believe with all of my heart, God's going to release into you such a God image that's going to change your self-image. That's going to cause you to understand that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And you are called of the living God. And there is, there is purpose for your life. There is joy. There is hope. There is peace. Come on now. Come on now. If you need that exchange, come on right now. These altars are open. Come. Just lift your hands before the Lord and don't leave this altar till you pray for. Come on. Come on. Just come and lift your hands before the Lord and say, God, I, this is what I, I'm not living this way anymore. I'm not walking this way anymore. I'm moving out beyond. Oh, God. This negative self-talk is going to turn into spirit talk. Just stay where you're at and let us pray for you. There are others. There are others. We're going to give you a minute to get out here. I believe there's, a, there's an exchange. There's an internal exchange that's going to take place today. Freedom, freedom, freedom. You're going to get off this gerbil wheel of works and you're just going to walk in the joy of the Holy Spirit because God is with you and God is for you.
There's no weapon formed against you that's ever going to prosper. But the very voice of fear that you have heard over and over and over again is going to be the very weapon God uses to defeat the enemy as you rescue others through the revelation of the anointing of Jesus Christ.